interested in birth control but not sure which one is right for you? Welcome to SBH Bronx Health Talk, produced by SBH Health System and broadcast from the beautiful studios at St. Barnabas Hospital in the Bronx. I'm Faith Daniel. Birth control medications and devices are among the safest medications on the market and an empowering way to take control of your reproductive health. There are many different methods to choose from, the ring, the patch, the pill, the IUD, and more. Each is unique in its own way. If you're a teen, a visit with an adolescent medicine doctor can help determine which is the safest, most convenient, and best for you. Here with me today is Dr. Kanani Titchen, Director of Adolescent Health Services at SBH. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So let's just jump right into it. Um, And could you please go over the options that we offer at the hospital? Yes, there are uh, numerous options at the hospital for birth control and contraception. Um, The most popular tends to be the implant, the hormonal implant, which is inserted under the skin in the patient's upper arm. Another method that's long-acting similar to the implant is the hormonal IUD that's inserted into the uterus. Um, Another option um, similar to the hormonal IUD is the non-hormonal or copper IUD, also inserted into the uterus. Each of these options are referred to as long-acting reversible contraception, or LARC, and they last anywhere from 3 to 10 years, depending on which method you choose. Mm -hmm. There are other options as well that are shorter term, such as the birth control pill that you take daily, um, as well as the patch, the ring, um, and there's also a progesterone-only method called the Depo-Provera shot that's given every three months. So we have a variety of options, and each of them have their own pluses and minuses and really depend on what the teenager is looking for in terms of lifestyle and um, side effect profile. Could you go over briefly maybe like the pros and cons of like the most popular ones that you administer? Sure. The most popular methods, again, for um, teenagers tend to be the long-acting reversible contraceptives simply because you don't have to remember to do anything. So instead of having to remember to take a pill every night and worrying that if you don't take the pill at exactly the right time, you could possibly become pregnant or bleed, the long-acting reversible contraception, so the hormonal implant or the IUD, um, once they're in, they really do the job for you. Um, They are progesterone method only, so there's no estrogen in them, which um, is good for some uh, teenagers who maybe can't take estrogen for various reasons. Um, They're popular because, again, you don't have to remember to do anything, and they have a very, very good protection against pregnancy. So the implant, um, again, is higher than 99% effective against pregnancy, and the hormonal IUD also 99.8% effective against pregnancy. And is birth control covered by insurance? Birth control is covered by insurance. Um, The coverage will vary depending on the insurance that the patient has, Um, but it is um, mandated that birth control be covered by every insurance, um, some birth control option. And if I'm a teen, can I come in on my own to get it, or do I have to have a parent with me, a legal guardian? That's a great question. So teenagers in New York State are lucky because they can access adolescent reproductive health care on their own. So anybody who is under the age of 18 is protected by the state in terms of privacy. They can make an appointment with an adolescent health um, practitioner and come in and see the doctor on their own for reproductive health care. Um, will my parent find out or legal guardian find out? Another great question. Um, if the patient has Medicaid, um, the, pa- the parents 
likely will not find out unless the teenager wants to disclose to the parents. And that's actually something that I do as a physician. As I talk with the teenagers, my goal is not to keep secrets from parents. My goal is to help my patients. And part of helping my patients is to foster a productive relationship between my patients and their parents. So I work with teenagers um, to help them disclose to their parents um, their sexual activity or the you know just their maturing and growing up in the time frame that the patients want to disclose that. But if they do not give me permission, then I am bound by state law to keep those visits private and to keep that, that patient's information private as well. So even if I'm, say, 15 and my parent has a suspicion that I am on birth control and they call the doctor's office, that information will never be disclosed. That's correct. A 15-year-old is protected by New York state law, and that is private information that pertains to that patient. Again, I would talk with the 15-year-old and ask them why they're keeping this from their parents and encourage them to to probably start that conversation. And again, I facilitate that conversation in the office quite frequently. And so if I'm a teenager and I come into your office, could you walk me through what the process is like? So if I'm like, hey, I want to start birth control, I'm not really sure what would you say or how would that go? Sure. So first of all, even in just planning that appointment, um, confidentiality is key. So the the teenager could call um, our assistant. Her name is Tracy at 718-960-3854 and schedule a confidential adolescent visit with me, Dr. Titchen. The patient would then come to that visit um, on his or her own at the scheduled time, check in at the front desk, and the front desk would issue them into the room, uh, or the nurse would issue them into the room, and we'd do some simple vital signs and other standard testing. When I meet with the patient, I discuss with them what their goals are. So is the patient coming in for contraceptive care because she's having sex, or is she there because she has really terrible periods and a lot of bleeding, and so she's looking for a contraceptive method, not for sex, but for controlling her periods and making them less painful and less heavy. So we discuss the goals. I also discuss goals with the patient about what they think they can do. So is this a patient who wants to take a pill every night and wants to be able to stop and start um, as they wish, of course, in conjunction with their doctor? Um, Or is this a patient who's really busy, has a very busy lifestyle, maybe is in college or is heading off to college and wants a longer acting method and really doesn't want to have to think about whether they're taking the pill or not and is looking for something long term. So we discuss the goals for, for each particular patient and what and then we talk about what the best method might be for them. And are there any like specific things that someone should consider? Like I know you mentioned like lifestyle, that's like a big thing. Like if you're like a super busy person that the pill may not be the best thing for you, you know, if you're if you have some trouble remembering things. So are there any other things that people should consider or like health specific things they should consider? Absolutely. So as I mentioned, we have a number of progesterone only forms and those are the long acting reversal reversible contraceptives that I mentioned, the hormonal implant and the IUD, and also the Depo-Provera shot. Um, If a patient has, for instance, a history of migraines with something called aura, where they have visual changes each time they have a diagnosed migraine headache, if they have a history of seizures, if they have a history in the family of blood clots, um, for instance, stroke or venous thromboembolism or or a pulmonary embolism, or if the patient has a history of seizures, then we'll have to be really careful and judicious about um, prescribing them estrogen. So 
a progesterone-only form might actually be better for patients like that. There are all sorts of reasons why patients can or cannot take estrogens, and so we consider those very carefully when we bring them into the clinic and we ask a lot of questions about the health um, issues in the family, the health issues for the patient, and then, like you said, um, lifestyle. So. Can I remember to take a pill? Uh, I don't know. Can I remember to come in every three months and get a shot? Not so much. Um, a lot, a lot of patients ask me about weight gain um, because they're very concerned that birth control is going to increase weight gain. Um, that is simply not the case. There are no studies that bear that out. The pill is very um, safe to, to take without any um, weight gain. The one method that does cause weight gain and it has been shown over and over again is the shot, the Depo-Provera shot um, administered every three months. But other methods, no weight gain. So that makes me think about the myths that are around birth control, mm. especially like with um, gaining weight, because I've even heard that too, like, oh, like you don't want to do that because you're going to gain weight. And like, are you willing to risk that kind of thing? And I was always thinking like, gain weight or a baby? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're pregnant, you gain a lot of weight. Exactly, so you do right? need to take that into consideration. <laughs> Absolutely. Very good point. <laughs> um, so are there any myths that you can dispel for us right now? That Absolutely. Exists? So a lot of my um, parents come in and they want their girls to be on birth control and the girls want to be on birth control but the parents are concerned that this is going to affect her ability to have children later on so her long-term fertility nothing i do is irreversible everything i do is reversible because i'm dealing with teenagers i want to protect their fertility many of them want to go on to have families later on when they're adults so that is my goal in some cases like when um, some of my patients have polycystic ovarian syndrome that can actually compromise a girl's fertility and make it harder later on to have um, children um, birth control actually protects her fertility so that's a big one for me is just protecting my patients overall health um, also in terms of um, does do contraceptives make girls have sex there have been studies on that they have all shown that no that is not the case just because i prescribe a contraceptive doesn't mean that that girl is suddenly going to say hey now i can go out and have sex with anybody i want that's just not the case the things that help protect girls from having sex too early include open dialogue with their parents or a trusted adult, as well as a number of activities. So quite frankly, the busier a girl is, the less time she has, right? So if she's involved in sports or dance or music and academics, um, she's less likely to have time to spend thinking about boys and sex. <laughs> And is there a specific age that you should be starting like birth control if you're thinking or is that kind of like up to the person? Yeah, it really varies. It's um, it depends on the person. I've had 12 um, year olds who, who come in and they're looking for contraceptives, usually because they have really terrible periods um, and heavy bleeding and they come in with pretty severe anemia and need something to control their periods. And then I've had 20 year olds who are starting birth control for the first time because they're just becoming sexually active. I have 14 year olds who are already sexually active active and looking for a method to protect them against getting pregnant. Um, so I really see a variety of patients. Some of their patients come in with their parents and their parents know that their children are having sex and want them to be protected. Other patients I see come in are having sex and their parents don't know and um, they feel that their parents would not understand but they're still trying to be responsible and really want to protect themselves from having children before they're wanted. How do you think someone should prepare for, if they're considering it, how can they prepare for a conversation with you or a conversation with their parent? Do you have any advice for them? 
Sure. So one of the top websites to go to for looking up information about birth controls birth control is www.bedsider.org. It's a very teen-friendly site that has lots of pictures, it's very colorful, um, and offers really accurate information about the various types of birth control. Another great site is www.youngwomenshealth.org, written by the folks up at Harvard, also offers great information about birth control, contraceptives, but also information about painful periods, long periods, heavy periods, polycystic ovarian syndrome, and anything to do with a young woman's health. So I think given that teens are all over the internet anyway, um, maybe checking out a couple of websites, if they wanna talk to some friends and ask them what they're using, that can be helpful, although I would caution teenagers that every choice is personal. And just because one of your friends had a good or bad response to a certain type of birth control doesn't mean that you will too. So it really depends on the person and what they're comfortable with. That's a very good point. And I'm thinking about like, so I know that young, the Young Women's um, Center, right, they have a, a, a great social media um, presence, actually, and they like tweet a lot about information. So I think that's also a good way to get some information too, like sure. if you're on social media. And do you think teen pregnancy is like a big problem in the Bronx? Is that what you're seeing now? Teen pregnancy is a problem. Um, it Um, It, along with STDs, is a big problem in the Bronx, especially chlamydia. Um, I think one of the things about prescribing contraceptives to teenagers is it allows me to follow them closely. So I never really prescribe a contraceptive method and then send a teen out the door never to see them again. I always ask them to come back either within six weeks, two weeks, or sometimes three months to check in. And then I follow them pretty closely for that first year to make sure that they are still using condoms because condoms are really the only method that protect against the transmission of sexually transmitted infections um, and to make sure that they're safe. Um, In addition to pregnancy and chlamydia being uh, problems in the Bronx, so is reproductive coercion. So girls are frequently forced to have sex or they consent to sex with a condom and then the boy may remove the condom which is just not cool and can be very dangerous. Um, And so I also just check in with my teens to make sure that they're safe, that they know their rights, um, to to make sure that they are having sex in a way that's healthy for them and to make sure that they're not in danger. Yeah, that's extremely important. Condoms and birth control. Absolutely. Both together. They're like, do they work together? They're a team. Yes, they are. They're a team, exactly. Um, Are there any things that people should um, think about like when they're considering to get off of birth control? So say like a teen's been on birth control since they were 15 and they're 22 now and they're like, oh, you know what? I think I want to have a baby. Um, What things would you mention to them or talk to them about? So I would say um, if you are considering having a baby or you're considering coming off of birth control, the first thing you should do is schedule an appointment with your family medicine physician or your primary care physician to talk with them about how to come off the birth control. Um, Many of these birth controls or contraceptives are designed so that you can stop them and go back to ovulating immediately, which means that you're able to have a child fairly immediately. There are some forms like the shot, the Depo-Provera shot, where that waiting time from stopping the shot to actually being able to conceive and have a child will be longer because of the form of birth control. Um, The pill, the patch, the ring, and any LARC method, so again the implant or the IUD, as soon as you stop that method you're pretty much going to go back to ovulating um, very quickly and be able to have a child. But um, 
I'm also sensitive to the fact that women need prenatal care, so it's a really good idea if a teenager or a young adult is considering coming off of their contraceptive method, make an appointment with your physician first to talk over how to do that and what to expect. Alrighty, is there anything else that I didn't cover that you think is super important for teens to know that you'd like to talk about? Yeah, I would say another myth I'd like to dispel is that some teenagers think that if they don't get a regular period or um, if they're having sex for the first time, they can't get pregnant. That is just not true. A teenager who has had sex for the first time can still get pregnant. A teenager who is not having regular periods can still get pregnant. So contraception is gonna be really important. In addition to that, a teenager who's not having a period every month really needs to make an appointment with an adolescent medicine doctor to find out why is she not having a period every month. Yeah. We're, we're kind of lucky as girls and women that we get a period, even though it can not be so fun sometimes. <laughs> um, but it really is a, another vital sign for us. So just like our heart rate or our blood pressure, getting our period every month is a sign that our body's healthy. Mm -hmm. So if you're not getting a period every month, make an appointment with your adolescent medicine doctor. Um, I think, yeah, that's the number one um, myth that I would want to dispel. <laughs> that makes me think, I was just telling one of my friends yesterday that like, whenever you get your period, I think to myself, like my reproductive system works, right, it's working, yay. Like exactly. it's painful, but it works. And, and if it's painful, <laughs> that's another thing um, I would want to tell teenagers. Um, I hear a lot of teens in the Bronx saying that they have painful, heavy periods and they're missing a day or two of school a month. Yeah. That's just unacceptable to me. Girls yeah. should be in school. We need more female leaders in this world exactly. and they get ahead by going to school and doing well in school. And so access to reproductive health and to contraception and methods that help alleviate the symptoms of, of PMS and periods are absolutely critical. Oh, could you speak a little bit more about PMS, actually, and how contraceptions will help with that? PMS, or premenstrual syndrome, um, consists of a variety of symptoms, and I'm sure that most of our audience has experienced some of them. It can be pelvic cramps or abdominal cramps, um, breast tenderness, backaches, headaches, even nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea that can occur in the few days before a girl's period. On one hand, this is a great sign because it probably means that the girl's ovulating and fertile. On the other hand, it just doesn't feel good. <laughs> so mm -hmm. there are medications that we can give, birth control and other medication to alleviate the symptoms of PMS. Some of the symptoms that aren't talked about with PMS include depression, uh, anger, maybe she's very hostile, um, or she feels very short-tempered. and. These two can be alleviated by some forms of contraceptive, so I think it's worth looking into that to control the cycle and help um, the girls to be more productive. In addition, there's a severe form of PMS called PMDD, or premenstrual dysphoric disorder, where those symptoms, not necessarily physical, but maybe more psychological, depression, crying a lot, um, having a very labile or up and down mood, um, feeling very angry for the um, seven to ten days before her period um, in such a way that interferes with her relationships, with her school, um, with her job, with her family. If it's that um, severe, that may be technically diagnosed as premenstrual dysphoric disorder um, and she should definitely seek the help of an adolescent medicine physician um, or a pediatrician to seek help alleviating those symptoms because they can be very, very disruptive. Does one just um, prescribe um, contraceptions for that or is it another medication? Premenstrual dysphoric disorder is 
treated primarily with contraception and um, a serotonin, uh, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor, so something like Prozac. Sometimes one or the other is effective. Um, what's been shown is that together they have a synergistic effect and they're very effective um, against um, PMDD. Awesome, well thank you so much, Dr. Tijin. So thank you so much everyone for joining SBH um, Bronx Health Talk. And again, for more information on contraception or other services available at SBH, um, please visit www.sbhny.org. Thank you again for joining us. Thanks for having me.